going to be in Philippians chapter number 2 this evening. Philippians chapter number 2. On Sunday nights, of course, they've been a little spread out, but on Sunday nights we've looked over the past a little bit on the thought of I am a church member. I am a church member, and uh, the first message we looked at was uh, what is a church member? What does it mean? What does church membership mean to be a part of a church? And we looked at that, and then the, the last message that we looked at, we looked at the thought of I will be a unifying church member. I'll, I will be unifying in my part in the church. And so we're going to continue this thought of looking at what it means to be a church member or I am a church member. But this evening we're going to look at the thought of I will be a serving member. I will be a serving member. We're going to take our text from Philippians uh, chapter number 2, verse number 5 down through verse number 8. Whenever we talk about uh, church uh, serving in the church and service in the church, uh, there are a lot of areas uh, uh, within the church uh, that you can serve. Um, but this evening, uh, I want to look specifically uh, at a couple of areas where everyone uh, can serve. Let's read together this passage of Scripture in the book of Philippians, and then we'll get started in the message. The Bible says in Philippians 2, starting in verse number 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, uh, for your faithfulness. And Lord, that we can run to you. And Lord, no matter what the difficulty, no matter what the problem, Lord, we can run to you. And Father, I thank you for that. Now, Lord, as we come to your word this evening, and Lord, we look at this thought uh, of being a serving member. And Lord, we look at these areas where we can serve the church of God. Father, I pray that you will open your word to us. I pray, dear Lord, that it'll speak to us. I pray, dear Father, that it'll be clear to be understanding. It'll be applicable to our lives. That, Father, oh Lord, we may better understand how we can serve in the house of God. Father, I pray. Thank you for your goodness. Bless in the service this evening, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Here in this passage of Scripture, we have a flawless description of a servant's heart. We have a flawless description of what it means to be a servant. Oftentimes when we look at this passage of Scripture, we look at it as a description of the Lord Jesus Christ and who He was and His character. And many times that is the way we use this passage when we preach from this passage and it is, is uh, indeed an accurate description uh, of our Savior. It does reveal His character. But the purpose of this passage of Scripture is not uh, to reveal the character of the Lord as much as uh, it is to convince you and I that we are to share those same characteristics. Uh, it says there in the first verse, let this mind be in you. This passage of scripture is instructing you and I that what we're about to see in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ is to be evident in the life of the Christian. You know, oftentimes whenever we are thinking about service, whenever we are thinking about uh, 
us serving the Lord, we often tend to put ourselves into groups. We tend to, to categorize ourselves. We tend to put ourselves into groups. And then the tasks that are available, we put them into groups as well. And we tend to have a mindset of this set of tasks is available for this group of people. And this set of tasks is available for this group of people. And we go down through and we divide task up according to people and by doing so we make it such that we feel there are certain tasks that don't apply to me. But as we look at this passage of scripture about the Lord Jesus Christ, we will find that he never took the attitude of there are some tasks for me and there are some tasks for others. True servanthood is found here in this description of Christ in Philippians chapter number 2. What does this passage teach us about service? First of all, Jesus teaches us in this passage that there is no rank. Jesus, who was the highest of all, assumed the position of the lowest of all. Jesus assumed the position of the lowest of all. We see here, if you look in this passage of Scripture, Philippians chapter number 2, and in verse number 5 it says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. We see here that he who was highest assumed the position that was lowest. We see here that also in this passage we see that true servanthood is a position of humility. It says here, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We see three things presented here to us by Christ. First of all, there is no rank in true servanthood. Second of all, a servanthood is a position of humility. And third, we see that servanthood, true servanthood, is dying to self for the benefit of others. All church members are to be servant members. All church members are to contribute of themselves for the ministry of the gospel. And so this evening I want to take a moment and look at a couple of different areas where you and I can serve the church. A couple areas where you and I can give of ourselves to the church. As I said a moment ago, there are a lot of individual areas where people can serve. There's a lot of individual areas where maybe you are gifted in an area and there's, you know, we need a Sunday school teacher but not everyone can be a Sunday school teacher. We need a janitor but not everyone can be a janitor. There's a lot of individual areas, but this evening I want to look at a couple areas where I believe everyone as a church member can serve the church. First of all, I believe that everyone can serve through prayer for the church. I believe that every person can serve the church by praying for the church. There's three areas this evening where I believe that we should pray for the church. In the book of Ephesians, if you turn back a couple of pages to the book of Ephesians chapter number 6, in Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number 18, we see here the Bible says, 
In Ephesians 6 verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. When I look here in this passage of Scripture, I see that we can serve the church through prayer by praying for each other. Praying for each other. You know we're not going to do it this evening, but if we were to take the time and start right here with Miss Angie and work our way through the congregation all the way over here to Brother John. Every person in here could tell us of a need or a concern or a situation that you and I know nothing about that they need prayer for. Every person in this congregation is facing difficulties. They're facing struggles. They're facing trials. They're facing decisions. Uh, they have questions. Every person in here has things that they may not share with anyone else or maybe they share with a select group of people uh, that every one of us need prayer one for another. And you know what the wonderful thing is? Uh, uh, Pastor Ken, I don't have to know uh, everything that is on your heart in order to pray for you. I don't need to know, Brother Randy, every struggle that you are struggling with in order to pray for you. Now, I believe as Christians we ought to share these things one with another. We ought to let one another know the things that are on our hearts so that we can more uh, pray in a more informed way. Uh, but I can pray uh, for my brothers and sisters in Christ without knowing everything that is going on in their life. I believe that as Christians we can support the church. We can be good members of the church by praying one for another. We can pray one for another in our spiritual needs. You know what? The devil is out to get each and every one of us. The devil is out to trip us up. The devil's out to make us stumble. He's out to get us off by the wayside. And we ought to pray one for another spiritually. Lord, I pray you help our brother. I pray you help our sister. I pray that you help them stay close to you. I pray that you help them stay tender to you. We ought to pray for their spiritual needs. We ought to pray for one another's physical needs. We all have aches and pains and hurts and difficulties and we ought to pray for one another's physical needs. We ought to pray for one another's personal needs. We can be good members. We can serve the church by praying for each other. In addition to praying for each other, we can serve the church through prayer by praying for the pastor. You can serve the church by praying for the pastor. I have a great illustration for you why you should pray for your pastor. Whenever I printed my sermon earlier, it printed twice. And Joel was wanting my computer so he could set up for the sermon. So I printed it and handed him the computer and then I grabbed my notes, I took them into the cutter, I cut them in half and I stuffed them in my Bible. And when I just began preaching, I realized I have the wrong notes. <laughs> so if you seen me stumbling at first, I was like, where am I at? <laughs> what is going on? I had one set of notes for this sermon and then I had, a, I had like a rough draft and then I had a finished draft. I'm preaching from the rough draft, so if it sounds rough, that's why it's the rough draft. <laughs> But you can pray for your preacher. We human just like everybody else. We make mistakes just like everybody else. And you know what? It embarrasses me that I've got the wrong notes just like it would embarrass you. It makes me stumble and wonder how am I going to get through this just like it would you. 
It makes me wonder, should I just stop and tell everybody I have the wrong notes and go get the right ones and come back and start over? Or should I just try to push through? Just like it does you. But you know what? It's amazing how God works. Because as I began preaching, I'm like, oh, what in the world? What? My, my whole introduction's not here. Where's my introduction? I don't even have an introduction. Where is it at? And I'm like, why did I do this? But you know what? The Lord worked it out because he knew I needed this illustration. He needed y'all to see that preachers need prayer. I think for the rest of the notes are the right ones. I think I actually got them mixed up. But you know what? Pray for your preacher. Pray for your preacher. Verse number 19 there in Ephesians chapter number 6, Paul says, or first, let's go back to verse 18. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. In verse number 19 he says, and for me. That utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Many times throughout the New Testament, Paul would say to the churches he was writing to, he would say words like this, Brethren, pray for us. Pastors are people too. You know what? Sometimes it's very interesting to see what people think about preachers. And we're just going to have a little bit of transparency tonight. It's interesting what people think about preachers. People think that preachers have this special, extra special, I don't know, composure that the things of the world do not bother preachers. The preachers have this extra protection to where the reason the preacher stands and he just thunders against sin is because he's not tempted like everybody else is. He is able to stand up and he's able to say this is wrong and that is wrong because he doesn't understand us and he doesn't understand how we're tempted and he thinks it's just easy not to commit these sins and and he doesn't struggle like we do. But that's not true. Pastors have the same temptations everybody else has. Pastors face the same difficulties. Uh, Pastors face the same financial worries. Uh, Pastors face the same family struggles. Uh, Pastors face all the same exact things uh, that every one of you do. Uh, It's like the Bible says that we are men of like passion just like you are. We are made exactly the same. But many times people seem to have this mindset uh, uh, that pastors are invincible or, or that the things of the world doesn't affect them, that they have a weird makeup in their mind. Now, I might have a weird way of thinking but it's not because I'm a preacher they think boy these preachers you know they just are different and, and there's something that you know they're, they're, they're completely different than we are they're not the same but it's not true everything whenever someone talks to you and says would you be a preacher you ever think about being a preacher every thought that runs through your mind every fear that runs through your mind everything that you think I couldn't do it because of these reasons I have them too Every one of them. I was talking with another pastor this past Friday. We were sitting together talking. And he said to me, we were talking about pastoring and so forth, and we were talking about some of the struggles and some of the joys and so forth and so on. And he said to me, he said, the one thing I can never figure out is why God called me to do it because I'm certainly not qualified. I said, brother, I feel you 100%. I am right there with you. Why did God call me? Because I'm just a normal guy. I have nothing extra. You know what that means? That means I need prayer. 
It means I need prayer. Another thing that people think about preachers that just confuses me is they think, they get mixed up with the Old Testament. See, in the Old Testament, the Lord would speak to the prophet. And he would say to the prophet, I want you to go to the king and I want you to tell the king that he's been wicked and I'm going to judge him or something of that nature. And the prophet would go to the king and the prophet would say to the king, you're wicked and God is going to judge you. The king would get mad and throw him in a pit. And that, this is how it worked when you was an Old Testament prophet. And in the, in the, folks nowadays, I believe, think that this is how preaching works too. And that the Lord just, he just tells me. Now, the Lord will speak through me and the Lord will use me. I got news for you. I just don't magically understand everything in that book. I have to figure it out the same way you do. I have to spend time reading the Word. I have to spend time praying over the Word. I have to look at passages and say, I have absolutely no idea what this means. I get out commentaries and I read what other preachers have said about it. And I say, there's no way it could mean that, brother. I don't know how you got that out of that passage of Scripture. And I read it over and over and over again. And I look at it and I pray over it and I study over it. And I spend, I spend hours and hours and hours trying to understand what the Word of God says so I can stand up here and I can preach to you. And then people say, what does the preacher do? Why, why does the preacher say he's busy? What in the world is the preacher doing? What's, why, I mean, he, he only works a couple times a week. He only preaches twice a week. What's he doing the rest of his time? What is he doing? Well, let me just explain something to you. I'm just as dumb as you are. That didn't come across right. <laughs> We're all dumb, right? <laughs> you might need to get those other notes. I don't think that was in the other notes. But you know what? I have no special anything. I am a man just like you are. And I need my people to pray for me. Amen. I need my people to pray for me. Pray for the preacher. You know, as I said and saying, the preacher faces the same temptation. They face the same physical, financial, emotional struggles. They face discouragement. They face trials. They face uncertainty just like everyone else. But you know what else the preacher faces? Satan hates the man of God absolutely hates the man of God. Satan hates anyone that will give themselves to the cause of the gospel. He hates them. He hates the fact that here is a person who not only believes the Bible, but who has given his life to trying to convince everyone else to believe the Bible. Preachers are the devil's arch enemy. And you know what he does? He goes after the preacher. So just as we have all the same struggles that you do, in many ways, uh, the devil turns up the heat on the preacher. I'm not asking you to, 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 after service to shake my hand and say, we're sorry for you, preacher. I'm trying to let you know why we need you to pray for us. Why we need you to pray for us. We have faced the attack of the enemy. The devil will use anything possible to break down the man of God. He will use anything available to wear the man of God down. Right. And the man of God needs a group of people 
that's praying for him. People often ask, why do so many, why do so many preachers leave the ministry? Oh, it's staggering numbers of preachers who just leave the ministry. I'm not talking about those who leave because of sin. I'm talking about those who just can't do it anymore. And they leave. And people say, why do so many preachers quit? Why do so many preachers just fall by the wayside? What, what is the deal? It's because the devil is turning up the heat. And they can't stand on their own. They can't fight on their own. They need somebody to pray for them. If I were to stand here and say to you that I've got it all under control and I've, I, I can handle this and I'm strong enough, I'd be setting myself up to fall. I need to be honest and say I need a group of people that will pray for me. Amen. So this, this evening I, I beg of you, pray for your preacher. Pray for your preacher. If you don't do anything else as a member of this church, pray for your preacher. Here in this verse of scripture that we looked at, Paul gave three ways that he wanted these people to pray for him. That's on my other notes. Let's see if I can remember it. Pray for me. Here in Ephesians 6 and verse number 19. Hey, looky there. She's going to get them for me. Y'all in trouble now. I'll preach all night. In verse number 19, he gives three ways that he wants the people to pray for him. He says in verse number 19, And for me, that utterance may be given unto me. First thing that Paul wants the people to pray for is that he have the ability to speak. I want y'all to pray for me that I have the ability to speak. And like I said, we're just going to have some transparency tonight. I was talking with a gentleman the other day. He was considering maybe attending church here and he was afraid that there might be some doctrinal differences and he just wanted to come and meet with me and talk through some things. And we were talking through some different things and my style of preaching came up. He said, what about your style? I'm not, not used to that style. Thank you, sweetheart. Appreciate that. We'll see if we can find where we're at here. Y'all give me just a minute. I don't normally do this, but we know each other good, right? Hot dog. Y'all in trouble. <laughs> But this, this gentleman said to me, he said to me, your, your style of preaching, he said, it's, it's kind of distracting to me. I, I didn't come up in, in, under that type of preaching. And when I try to listen to you, he said, I've listened to you online several times. He said, and your, your style is just distracting to me. And I said to him, I said, brother, let me explain something to you. My style of preaching is the one thing that I get the most compliments for and the most criticism for. I have people every week who mention to me that I need to tone it down. 
And I have people every week who tell me the reason they attend this church is because the style of my preaching. I hear it constantly, uh, both sides. Uh, one side is saying uh, that I, I, I have a terrible style and I'm hard to listen to. The other side is saying we love your style, you you you, you fire us up, and it, it's constant coming at me from both ways. Y'all didn't know that, did you? I hear it constantly, both sides. Some people love it, some people hate it. And I told this brother, I said, but the interesting thing is I know I'm not the best communicator. And although I'm hearing this from both sides, I'm not paying any attention to either side because I know that there are communicators that can communicate the gospel far better than I can. I said, and every week I endeavor to better my communication. Every week I seek that the Lord will help me to communicate His Word. I said, I don't get up there and stomp and yell because I'm trying to get people's attention. I don't do it on purpose. It's a learned habit from growing up in the mountains of West Virginia. Y'all think I'm crazy. You ought to listen to them people preach. It's a learned habit from growing up around those preachers. It's just a way that I was taught, but I understand that there's better communicators and every week I'm praying, Lord, help me to communicate this truth in a way that will make a difference in the hearts of people. Help me communicate this truth in a way that they'll hear it and it'll change their life and they'll be affected by the gospel. And we have people who are worried about your style. Paul says, pray for me. Pray for me that I can have utterance. Pray for me that I can just speak the gospel. Pray for me that I can communicate the truth of the gospel. I'm not up here trying to get any kind of popularity pins on Sunday morning. I am up here with all my heart trying to present the word of God so that it will change the lives of people. And that's all I'm concerned about. If I have to stomp and sweat, I'll stomp and sweat. If I can sit at a desk like I do on Wednesday nights and just talk in a normal voice, whatever it takes to change the lives of people, that's what I'm interested in. Pray for your preacher. Pray for your preacher that God will bless him and help him to have utterance and be able to communicate the gospel clearly. Paul said, pray for me to have the ability to speak. But then in verse number 19... He asked that they pray that he would have boldness to preach. In verse number 19, he says, And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly. Not only is he asking them to pray that he's able to speak, he said, but I want you to pray for me that I have boldness to speak. You say, well, what, is, what, what do you mean there? Well, I don't know if you realize this or not. Many people see preachers as just mean people who want to yell at everybody about what they're doing wrong. But declaring the truth of the Word of God can be intimidating. One person standing before a hundred people knowing that there are people in the congregation who are not obeying the principle that's going to be preached on that morning and to stand and proclaim the Word of God can be intimidating many people are many people are tempted it's a constant temptation to back down from the truths of the word of god it's a constant temptation to avoid offensive subjects 
It's a constant temptation to only speak on those things which are encouraging and uplifting and empowering. Paul said, pray that I have boldness because God has commanded me to preach the whole counsel of God. Pray that I have boldness to preach. But whenever you stand up to preach, often, often the Word of God is corrective. Often the Word of God is revealing. Often the Word of God exposes the sin of man. And when that happens, many times people respond with hostility. And it takes boldness to proclaim the Word of God. Paul said, pray for your preacher that he can have boldness to preach the Word of God. And then third, Paul prays, asked that they pray in verse number 19. He said, and for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul prays that he'll be able to speak. Paul prays that he'll have boldness to speak. But then Paul asked that they pray that he understand the gospel. Paul says, pray for me that I understand the gospel. Next week, we'll be looking at the next set of parables there in Matthew 13. And as I have studied those parables, I have found that there is great division as to what they mean. You see, some of the parables in the Word of God, Jesus explained. Some of the parables, He just told the parable and He didn't explain them. And there is great division among men who have a lot more education than I do. Men with degrees, men who have spent their life studying the Word of God, men who have written commentaries and stole thousands of copies, men who know the Word of God. And this man thinks it means one thing. And this man of equal education thinks it means another thing. And here I am, just a little old country boy, and I look at that parable and the only recourse that I have is to say, Lord, you're going to have to show me what this means. You're going to have to reveal it to me. You're going to have to make it clear to me. I'm going to proclaim this to your people and the last thing I want to do is misinterpret the Word of God to a group of people who are trusting me to rightly divide the Word of God. Paul said, pray for me that I can understand the gospel. Pray for me that I understand what it means. Pray for me that I can present it in the right way. Pray for your preacher. Pray for your preacher. In addition for praying for others, in addition to praying for the preacher, we can also serve the church by praying for the ministry. We can serve the church by praying for the ministry of the church. You know what, the one definite way for you to get on board with what the church is doing is to start praying for it. You know something that will motivate you to invite folks to the wild game dinner is to start praying that God will send some lost souls to the wild game dinner. You start getting on your knees and you start praying, Lord, I pray that you'll send some lost sinners to the wild game dinner. I pray that somehow they will hear about it. Somehow they will come. Somehow they will hear the gospel. You begin praying that and when you get up from your knees, you will find that you are motivated to go tell somebody about it. But if you're not praying about it, chances are you won't tell anybody about it. You pray for the Sunday service. You want to know how to enjoy worship on Sunday morning? 
Instead of sitting up late watching TV on Saturday night, you spend some time on your knees Saturday night. Say, Lord, I pray you meet with us tomorrow. I pray to Lord that you'll bless in the song service. I pray you bless Pastor John as he preaches. I pray you bless that crazy computer that only works when it wants to. I pray that you'll put your hand on the service. I pray that you will bless and be in the midst. I pray that you'll move in amongst us. You spend some time Saturday night praying for the service on Sunday morning and when you get here on Sunday morning I'll preach the lamest message you ever heard and you'll get more out of it than you've ever got out of a message. Pray for the ministry. You want to be involved in the ministry? Start praying for the ministry. You want to be a part of what's going on? You start praying for what's going on. You know what? We'll announce that something's going on and four or five people will show up. Later, someone will say, Pastor John, I'm sorry I meant to be there. I just forgot about it. Y'all not going to admit you forgot anything after I tell you this next statement. As soon as you say that to me, you know what I know? You didn't pray about it. Because if you'd have been praying for it, you'd have never forgot it. You weren't praying for it. That's why you weren't here. You want to get involved in the ministry, start praying for the ministry. Here's some things that we can pray for the ministry. How do we pray for the ministry? Here's some things you can pray for. First of all, <clears throat> and this kind of ties in with praying for your preacher. First of all, pray for the preservation of the truth in the pulpit. All across our nation and all across the world, the truth is being watered down and watered down and watered down. Pray for the preservation of truth in the pulpit. Lord, I pray that you will give us a church that continues to preach the gospel in, light, in, in face of adversity, in face of difficulty. Preserve the truth in our pulpit. In 2 Timothy 4 and verse number 2, the Bible says... Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Pray for the preservation of truth in your pulpit. Another way you can pray for your church, pray for the ministry, is to pray for the consistent proclamation of the gospel. Just as truth has been watered down, the gospel has been watered down. I read an article the other day. A friend of mine posted an article, and he, he, was, he was recommending a book. He's like, you, ought to, you, you should order this book. Here's, a, here's a, a clip out of the book. And I did order the book. But in the clip, he's talked about how American Christianity has changed over the last 50 years. He said, used to be we stood in our pulpits and we proclaimed salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. And by doing so, we automatically separated ourselves from the Mormons. We separated ourselves from the Catholics. We separated ourselves from the Jehovah's Witness. And we separated ourselves from every false doctrine and false belief that does not believe that there is salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. By preaching salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, we made a clear distinction that we believe that He is the way, the truth, and the life. But we've changed that. Right. Now we ask people, are you a person of faith? 
And by saying that, now we have linked ourselves with the Mormons. We've linked ourselves with the Jehovah's Witness. We have linked ourselves with anyone that claims any kind of religion because we've quit proclaiming that there is only one way of salvation and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? Years ago, the people that we held up as the heroes of faith were men like Oliver B. Green, Lester Roloff, John R. Rice, men that preached the truth of the Word of God and that is who we upheld in our churches. That is who we listened to. That is who we adhered to. We knew that they were preaching the truth of the gospel. But now we hold up talk show hosts. We hold up people that have no use for the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we claim that we ought to listen to them because they're people of faith. Let me tell you, if they don't believe in salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, they are not going to spend eternity in heaven. Not going to happen. But yet we as Christians say, you know what, so-and-so, he has good things to say. I like to listen to him. He's a Mormon. Well, cut him off. This is very unpopular in our day because I'm talking about some of y'all's favorite people. Cut them off. You know what? Oh, I'm telling you, I'm getting all off. Pray for your preacher. People think that the pulpit ought to be used to get up here and talk about all the politics and everything that's going on in D.C. and all that's going on in the world. And that, Boy, why don't our preacher ever talk about all the current events? Because the Bible has already told us about the current events. The Bible has already told us that things are going to get worse and worse. The Bible has already told us that Russia is going to try to take over the world and that that indicates that Jesus is coming soon. There's no need for me to get up here and give whole big dialogues on that. Jesus said it don't matter what's going on in the world. I have ordained the church to preach the gospel, preach the gospel, preach the gospel, preach the gospel, because there is nothing, nothing, nothing that will secure people for eternity except the gospel. And every time I stand up here and give a dialogue on politics, I have missed an opportunity to share the gospel with someone who may be on their way to hell. We need to make sure that we pray that the Lord will keep the gospel in our pulpit. Amen. The Bible says in Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. In addition to praying for the consistent proclamation of the gospel, we need to pray for a sincere spirit of worship. A sincere spirit of worship. Many times we come to church and we come to put on a show or we come to impress or we come to critique and criticize. We need to pray, Lord, in our church, when we gather, let us have a sincere spirit of worship. Help us be focused on exalting you. It doesn't matter if we get the song right or wrong. It doesn't matter if Pastor John's got his notes or not. Let us have a sincere spirit of we are here together for the purpose of exalting the Savior. Lord, help our church to be a place of worship. We need to pray for our church. I have one more way we can pray for our ministry. We can pray for our church. We can pray for the provision of laborers in the work of God. In Mark 9, verse 37 and 38, Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous but the laborers are few. 
Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. There's another terrible misconception in our churches today. We think that attending church is serving God. Attending church is not serving God. Attending church is obedience. Attending church is simply obeying. Serving is when someone else benefits from you. Attending church is simply the way that you get fed. And if all you're doing is coming and getting fed and leaving, then you are not serving. And let me just interject something else right here. God never called any, any Christian to simply sit and listen. He called every Christian to be busy serving the Lord. Every Christian. It's not just the pastor's work. It's not just the paid staff's work. It's not just those people that are to be doing this. As a matter of fact, this is your church and you ought to be the one who is here serving. You're the ones that ought to be breaking the door down. You're the ones that ought to be here doing the cleaning. You're the ones that ought to be going out. You're the ones that ought to be giving extra time to come and do and serve because God called every Christian to serve and we need to be proud that God will send laborers. It was the only prayer request that Jesus gave in the New Testament. He said, pray for laborers. There is a harvest. There are people going to hell, but my people are more concerned about their own comfort and their own wants and their own wishes, and they have no desire to reach the lost. Pray for your church. Pray that God will send laborers. Pray that God will give people who will give their life to the church. Before I was a paid preacher, before I was a paid preacher, I was at the church all the time. If we just talk about this church, we don't have to talk about the other churches I was at. Pastor Wright asked me to come talk to him. He said, I want to talk to you. He was wanting to offer me an assistant pastor position. He said, brother, you're here all the time. Anytime we're doing anything, you're here. You show up and just ask me if you can help. You know that something needs to be done. You just show up and do it. Brother, I'm going to say, would you be willing to come on as full-time assistant pastor and let me pay you for what you're doing? That is what service is all about. Go to be at church. I, I told Melissa when I became a paid a paid preacher, I said, I just changed my nine to five. Used to be I went and built houses for eight and ten hours a day and then I did everything I could for the Lord afterwards. Now I'm going to serve the Lord for eight or ten hours a day and then I'm going to serve the Lord for the rest of the day. Man, what a life. But you know what? We're all worried about taking care of me and all that I want to do and all my fun and all my enjoyment. You know a good way to get some laborers? Start praying. Lord, the church needs laborers. And you know what God will do? He'll say, get busy. Get busy. How to pray for your church? Pray for laborers in the work of God. How to be a good church member? Pray for your church. Pray for your church. That's point one. I told y'all she shouldn't get me them notes. The second thing, and we may look at this later, but I'll just tell you the point. 
is we can serve the church through influencing others in the church. We can serve the church by being a godly influence on others in the church. It's great to have friends in the church, and there is nothing wrong if you enjoy sports to talk about sports with your Christian friends. If you enjoy hunting, there's nothing wrong with talking about hunting with your Christian friends. I'm not saying that you can only quote Bible verses to each other. That's not what I'm saying. But it does sadden me that there are church members who get together who never discuss the things of God. You know how you can help your church? You can serve one another by being a godly influence to one another. Building one another up in the things of God. It's what we are to do. Thank y'all for being patient with me through this chopped up message. Amen. Thank y'all for listening. The Lord spoke. Listen to him. Say, Lord, what can I do to be a better church member? Let's pray. Father, Lord, I'm unworthy, and Lord, I'm not. I'm a man of little education, a man of an incomplete vocabulary. Lord, by man's standards, I'm definitely not qualified to be the one standing up here proclaiming your word. But Father, I thank you that you've called me to the work. I thank you, dear Lord, that you have saw fit to allow me, Lord, to give myself to your work. And Father, I pray that you will help us, Lord, as we go through life, Lord, that we will realize the importance of the church. We'll realize the strength that can be gained by praying for one another. We'll realize the strength that can be gained, uh, Father, by lifting one another up. And, uh, Father, I pray that we will become people of prayer. And, Lord, we will pray for your church and we'll pray for one another. And, uh, Lord, that we will be faithful to proclaim the gospel and proclaim the truth of your word. Father, I thank you for this group of people. Lord, they're faithful to come out on Sunday nights. Lord, there's so many, Lord, that don't deem church important enough to attend but once a week. And Father, I thank you for this group. Lord, that they've came back to listen again. And Father, I pray that what has been said will challenge their hearts. And Lord, that we will become people of prayer. And Lord, we will be faithful members to the church of God. Be with us, Lord, as we go throughout this week. Help us, Lord, to be a witness. Help us to be a light. Help us, Lord, to tell others about you. Lord, this this thing is coming to an end. Father, Lord, we see the the prophecy in your word. We see the way things are unfolding. And, Lord, we know that you could come at any moment. Lord, we know nothing has to take place in order for you to come. But, Lord, as we see things transpiring, Lord, we realize that, Lord, it's got to be close. And, Father, whenever we see the closeness of your coming, Lord, it ought to alarm us at the thousands of people that still don't know you as Savior. Help us, Lord. Help us to have a burden to reach the lost. Help us, Lord, to be dedicated to telling others about you, Father, I pray. Bless us as we go throughout this week. And, Father, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.